0: Hello everybody, I had the best time at the Abura Cultural Association Amenity Conference this year. I met loads of people, old friends and new, and I went around with my phone just to do some recording for Tree Lady Talks. Over lunch on the Sunday field trip, I spoke to an old friend of mine, John Hugh, an ARB consultant. Hi John. Now, I've- I think this is your first art conference, is
1: it? No, my first art conference was in 2003, in Wow. Cambridge.
0: And what are you looking forward to this year?
1: Well, catching up with all these old friends, yes. finding out what's been going on, finding out some new ideas from the speakers, and generally getting pissed. Well, I think there's going to be a lot. It's going to be messy.
0: It's going to be messy. <laughs> I caught up with Bill, who works for Cork Abbey, who gave us the most enthralling tree safari walk, looking at the ancient trees there. Bill, we've had such a great morning with you this morning, looking at this incredible site of all the veteran trees. Tell me, what's special about Cork Abbey?
1: Cool. Oh, you've mentioned the Abbey. I mean, my bit's sort everything of, outside of the Abbey, so it's all the parkland. Yes. It's the wonderful ancient and veteran trees that we've got on site, which you know, when you start looking how long they've been standing there and what's gone on beyond them and around them, it's just stunning. And when you put those sorts of thoughts into other people, it's quite difficult for them to appreciate just how long some of these trees have been standing there.
0: And it's a really good habitat for invertebrates, isn't it? I see how you manage the dead wood. Explain to the listeners what that looks like on the ground.
1: Basically, if you imagine a tree collapsing and being left where it collapsed, that's almost the ideal. it just means the tree is going through its life cycle and just doing what it would do it's not been interfered with it's not been managed so whether it's dead stuff up in the top of the tree or dead stuff that's fallen off it and is lying on the floor it's just there so anything that might live on it can still do that we haven't tidied anything
0: it's fantastic it's really beautiful to see and tell me what's planned for the next 50 years in terms of trees
1: is that for me or for Cork? Ah. I mean, looking forward, we've got a 50-year plan that the whole of our estate, which is you know over 2,000 acres, nearly 1,000 hectares, that the whole area would be wood pasture. That doesn't mean we've got wonderful big trees in the estate like we have in Cork itself. That can only happen in another 200 years. Uh, but the trees will be in the ground and starting to do their thing.
0: That's excellent. Thank you so much for your time, Bill. You've got another group this afternoon. And uh, a real pleasure to meet you. Thank you. you. (music) (laughs) (laughs) Veteran tree legend Ted Green reminded us that we have the oldest trees in Europe.
2: And I know that's, you can say that that is uh, a a very, very pronounced statement, but it's true. And um, people say to me, well, why have we still got them? Well, aristocracy have been very good at uh, uh, running the banks and all the rest of it. And I always ask people in this country, why do billionaires want to own newspapers? So why have we got them? and it's obviously to do with the aristocracy and keeping them, but we had the landscape. And when they built these parks and all the rest of like Windsor, Windsor's got a big castle on a hill, and it's where William the Conqueror arrived there and looked at the treescape and said, this is where I'm going to build my home. And he was a hunter. But it wasn't what you perceive as forest, because you can't ride a horse in forest. It was still called forest, but in those days the, the word meant somewhere where you went hunting and you could ride on horseback. But you can't ride a horse in woodland, so it was wood pasture. And if you look at the forms of these oak trees, they are show that they're squat, they've got big limbs, and the big limbs come out quite close down, which means the tree has grown all its life and i tell you in a minute how many years old it is, or about what we think it is, how many years that tree has grown in the open. Are you with me? And of course, if you look at the rest of Europe, why doesn't it have many trees like we do? because our old aristocrats said war? Bloody war? We don't want a war in Britain disturbing the pheasants. Send the buggers over to Europe and they can fight over there. So the last war we had was 400 years ago. So you can thank your aristocracy. Uh, and, and of course um, we're a very small country and we got coal. Big areas of France and that still rely on wood fuel because they don't have a source of coal. We do we still got
0: it. Jill Butler explains how we, as a Borough should be telling historians about the clues and secrets that trees reveal about landscape history.
3: Now, when we stood here earlier, we were talking about whether it's a pollard or not. And this is where arborists come in. You must understand what it means between a pollard and a maiden tree don't rely on historians to be able to tell you anything about trees. And I will talk about that on Tuesday. The historians cannot see trees in paintings. They cannot see them in tapestries. They cannot see them anywhere. And if they do see them, they interpret them wrongly. And it's arborists that can help historians to actually bring those stories out
0: as as, uh, evidence again of what the past was like. In this clip from the video, Jill explains why she believed the tree she was showing to the group was a maiden and not a pollard. These
3: these branches on the outside, I think are epicormic growth, which the tree has built on as it's grown downwards. I think if you look at the big central dead wood in the middle, that huge, you wouldn't get that in a pollard you wouldn't get that central column of dead wood like that in a pollard so i i'm really fairly certain that this is uh, maiden and i think in these deer park landscapes where they were very controlling of the commoners don't forget the king and the bishop owned the tree and it was the permission of the commoners or the local people to come in and do lop and top um, in these high status landscapes they wouldn't have let the commoners in particularly, or they would have been under extreme control. The status was not having commoners running all over these very important sites. So I think it's very unlikely these would have had uh, this sort of landscape would have had pollards in the time when this tree established itself.
1: What do you think about the little one? <laughs> the, little,
3: <laughs> the little one. So just to say, the little ones. Can I just say respectfully that seven metre oaks are really at the point where we really have to think very carefully about what the history of the landscape was. Because I've been into places where they've said, oh no, you can see the ridge and furrow and this is really a modern landscape. But I've got the evidence of the trees standing there in front of me that telling me that there's a much deeper, older story. And Keith Alexander, the great uh, Saprazilic guy... You know, he was the being told
2: boiling.
3: the way. invert guy, uh, <coughs> insect guy. Um they were telling him about Moccus Park, another fantastic park over in Herefordshire, and they say, Oh no, this is a modern landscape, you know, this is 17th century, you know, blah, 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 blah. And Keith said, The invertebrates are not telling me that. Go away and <laughs> dig again.
4: A
0: One of the great things about conferences is not just listening to new ideas and being inspired, but it's just chatting with friends and making new contacts during lunch and tea breaks. And I caught up with the Free amigos
4: dream my happy dream
0: Kenton Rogers, Keith Saker and Russell Halsey oh, yeah. but for now, I'm
1: gonna dream my happy dream.
0: conference with three amigos. Can you introduce yourselves, please, guys? Russell. Hi,
5: I'm Russell Halsey. Keith Shaker.
0: You may have heard of him.
5: Kenton Rogers.
0: You may have heard of him. So, how is it to be back together at the ARB conference? Have you enjoyed it?
5: I've missed Russell the we Yeah, no, It's good to be back Yeah. Lovely,
0: lovely. So Russell, tell me about Tree Plotter. Tree Plotter?
6: So
4: Tree Plotter is some uh, software
5: we use to sort of
4: look at inventories.
5: We use it to do canopy cover for mapping. Uh, we're
4: working with a number of different cities now to look at where they can plant trees,
5: how many trees they need to plant where, how they can deal with Sort of social deprivation, traffic pollution, all that kind of stuff.
0: Excellent, excellent. And Keith, are you here with your Bartchams hat on, or your Tree Canonics, or are you just here as a just world renowned artist?
2: Oh. <laughs> I'm just genuinely <laughs> here to confuse people. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I've got the bathroom t shirt. Yeah.
0: So,
2: no comments. Well,
0: you've got some trees here, haven't you, for people to identify?
2: Yes. Yes, yeah. It's going to be challenging. Very very difficult one. Turn to look out for the kelps. Oh, okay. And the stiff and Oh
0: and well, I'm gonna to have to look up that
5: I'm not sure. Oh
0: brilliant. And Kenton, you're here with Tree Economics. Uh, yes. And just tell people in a nutshell what tree economics
5: do. Uh, we're a social enterprise that look at managing trees using a benefits based approach.
0: And we've got a full episode on that, on Tree Lake Talks already, which people can catch up on. That's excellent. And what have you taken from this conference so far? What's been a standout this morning for you?
5: It's been really good to meet people again, actually, that I haven't seen for years. So that's good. The social aspect, which you don't just get on Zoom and on webinars. And I found this morning's talks particularly interesting because they're talking about Tree equity, yeah. which is uh, something that's um, that's important, and it's good that it's being addressed here, actually, and also taking it right back to what is a tree and what does that mean? Yes, yeah. yeah. individually. It, it's and been
0: absolutely. Lovely. Sharon, I
2: thought this was supposed to be in It's like Kenton's just monopolised.
0: He has. <laughs> so very Kenton. Go on, now you monopolise. monopolised. <laughs> no, I'm not gonna monopolise. Well have you taken anything from today, Pete?
2: Yeah, I took, uh, took Kenton's wallet out right? Yeah? Uh, yeah, uh, I was particularly interested in the lady from South Africa when she was talking about the colonial impact of trees and how has left the footprint
5: in the tree population. So, yeah, it was really interesting. It, it was. It
0: was very moving, actually. And how about you, Russell? What have you, apart from perhaps Keith's wallet, what have <laughs> you taken from today? Um, to me, I think
6: the key thing is it, it's the same issues all around the world. So, actually, listening to a lot of international speakers, which is a here and I think that's going to for the rest of
0: the week. One of the exhibitors, Mark, from Beesmax explains about the important work they're doing. I'm here with Mark. Mark, tell us about yourself and tell us about Beesmax.
5: Yeah, well, Beesmax was created a couple of years ago and in principle it was to take beehives into schools and corporates. So we do uh, well-being lunch clubs at business parks where the tenants come down and book in and get us involved as they what. Well. So we're not trying to create beekeepers out of people, we're just trying to give them the, the, the experience, which has worked really well. However, we became aware of uh, the fact that bees actually live in trees and they're not really being looked after or conserved or relocated in any really professionally managed way. So we did arrive at the Arbor and Association today, showing for three days a wild nest, that did have bees in it, actually, until about June this year. So, unfortunately, with the extreme weather, the queen didn't mate, they swarmed off, and we'll have to refill this. We'll reoccupy this with bees ne- next spring. And this has been a really good practical example of how arborists can help the corals, and how they can help the environment and save these trees. They do try to, like, in most cases, but this is going to now offer a special service that uh, can be booked in anywhere in the country, and these basically to be recovered and relocated and conserved. Hopefully uh, these tree stumps will be uh, living and usable for another 50 years. It's all built out of Cedarwood and the two metre stumps you can see here today are in various shapes and sizes. So this isn't always as perfect as this, but this was a good example for today and they've all been very interested actually and I'm, I'm very pleased with the reception that we've had.
0: And you brought some honey with you here today, and let's go and have a look at that. I've tasted it, and it's delicious.
5: Yeah, we've tried to show the whole journey from um, the honeycomb that's been cut to putting it in the box, as you can see, which is a traditional way of reselling honeycomb. Uh, you can also buy it in jars. This is the natural product, straight from that frame, that's a completed frame there uh, that's capped, and this is a spinner to demonstrate how oh. honey
4: is
5: thrown out. Home. So this oh, will go yeah. really fast Honey would come out, drop down the sides, and go out the tap at the oh,
0: brilliant!
5: And that's what you're, you'd be more used to seeing in the in the jar.
4: She's a lady. She's a lady. She's a lady who can help you with a problem with trees. She's a lady. Only maybe if there's a substitute to a company or war, you'll probably find it on the tree later talk.
0: I caught up with John Galfright and his wife from Japan on the work they do for Treehab, which is an incredible program of enabling children and young adults with disabilities to go right up into the trees. Tell us about the work that you do in Japan with children and children with special needs.
4: Well, actually, we help children uh, with any ability climb trees and they climb trees for recreation, for rehabilitation, for therapy and for education and we sort of shared the history of that program and and how it's grown in Japan and also how arborists are able to be involved in that program and by helping the children you know their dreams come true of leaving their wheelchair even if they can't walk they can climb a tree and and empowering those children and then those children empower us they teach us things we've never thought about before and so there's a symbiotic relationship, and there's a give and take there, and it's it's a beautiful program, and we get a chance to work with beautiful trees and beautiful people.
0: It's just so inspirational, giving people that new experience. And you showed some films during your presentation. Um, where can listeners find those films on the internet?
4: Well, actually, I have a site. JohnGathray.com and we also have um, our own Japanese sites and I hope that maybe uh, the AA will be able to um, post some of our videos and things as well
0: Well we can as well at Tree Lady Talks That would be wonderful So um, I'd love to post your, your link to your work because it's truly inspirational Thank you so much for your time Thank you very much, thank you Mark Brays, Oklahoma Forestry Service Officer, talked to us about how the Survivor Tree was a beacon of hope after the terrible bombing. Hello Mark, I so enjoyed your presentation, it actually made me cry. Mark, tell us a little bit about yourself please.
7: Well, it's so nice to be here and it's a true honour to uh, be here. Telling that very special story about this tree that means so much to us in Oklahoma. Uh, I'm an urban forester with the state of Oklahoma, and it's been my honor to play a small part in the rescue and recovery of this tree. We we had this tragedy happen in 1995 where the largest domestic act of terrorism occurred upon us. Uh, Some person found it upon himself to bomb this federal building and we'll never know why he did this, um, but we wanted to honor those missing people that who were no longer with us. And so the Oakland City National Memorial, their main goal is to never forget what happened and always honor those that survived, those who were impacted, and those that were changed forever. And. So it's been, one of my roles is to help the survivor tree. And and that was my story today, is to share this special story about the survivor tree. And it has come to symbolize survival. And it's helped us get back, uh, get past the tragedy that happened, surviving this tragedy, it's resilience, it's strength, no matter how much evil is out there in the world, goodness, we'll get past that and this tree represents so many different things to so many different people uh, that it's it's a true honor to share that experience with the world because survival is i mean it's something that we all have personal tragedies with in our lives and so it is something that it's, it's a great honor uh, that, that I'm here uh, representing Oklahoma and Oklahoma seniors all morning.
0: Thank you so much, Mark. And I was really also struck by the care you took during construction, which is something a lot of us do here with technical work, where things are changing around the yeah. trees' rooting system. That was impressive too, but really a powerful story. And thank you so much for sharing. Just tell listeners where they can find this beautiful film that you
7: showed. You can go online, to just do a search for Oklahoma City National Memorial, uh, Survivor Tree, uh, maybe Mark Bayes, but a number of those videos will come up, and it's an 11-minute video, and there's a couple of others out there, but the one that I showed today was the 11-minute video. And And
0: it's really special, but I won't keep you any longer, because you're back on, real privilege to meet you. Thank Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much, Finally, I caught up with Russell Ball from Fund for Trees. Russell, it's so good to see you. Russell, could you tell us a bit about yourself, please? OK, uh, I'm the founder of
6: Fund for Trees, uh, a registered charity formed a number of years ago. and I'm one of uh, four trustees, so there's myself, Martin Gammy, Nick Boddy and Pete Walton. We, we're, we're the governance of, of the charity, if you like. Um, so, and also, uh, we have a, what we call a research advisory committee. So when we get research monies in, uh, we then if we get a bid that comes in, we then send that bid to the research advisory committee to then for them to then to f- evaluate the bid, either reject it because it, it's not you know sufficient in terms of its methodology, or they say yeah we can we can actually you can you can accept that bid, maybe sometimes with some modifications. So that, that's really important. So there's a bit of clear space between us having the money, and them sort of telling us how we how we would best spend it
0: tell me about the bike rides because i took part in a couple of bike rides yeah. um, a few years ago tell us what how much fun it is and, and what work you do with children yeah, no the the, the
6: the the sort of the, the, the bike rides are a real fun thing First of all, because it's a great collective um, sort of sporting event, but it's not like a like a race, it's a kind of get-together. You get 13, 14 like to 20 riders on a bike, so it's a, there's a great buzz when, you walk, when you're when you cycling from school to school. It's great fun. And then when, when we go into the school, sometimes you've got the whole school waiting for us. We've had like three or 400 kids waiting, and it's, it's a really, really, really good event. Uh, in the old days, when we first started the charity, we used to cycle in, plant the tree, Silver Spade style, and then leave. But then I thought, well, it's, it's a wasted opportunity here. So what we do, we now have a, an interactive workshop. It starts about 20, 25 minutes. So we ask the children, start off, what's your favorite tree? And that gets the dialogue going. And then we talk about tree biology, flow and xylem in terms of drain pipes, and how water goes into the tree through the root system. We talk about leaves and photosynthesis. It's really, really good and very interactive. And then we often then get the children planting the, the tree Often with their hands, so those are mud and clay, and it's a real, really, really good exercise. And then we end it with a uh, with a kind of a, a celebratory kind of grow tree grow, where you get all the tr- all the tr- all the children around the tree, and we have this kind of energy thing going on, and they, they the job is to kind of get this energy from their bodies and their fingertips towards the tree to make it grow. We have grow tree grow.
0: I mean, you say it calmly, I've been to those things, it's like, grow, tree, grow, and it's, it's just so exciting, yeah, it's, it's, brilliant. it's brilliant, so have you got any other bike rides coming up soon?
6: Well we have actually, Sean. we've got a ride on the 21st of September in Withenshaw, so if anyone's interested, they can go to the uh, Fun Trees website, uh, and there's a blog on that particular um, uh, uh, website, which tells you about where, but it's, it's Withenshaw. Until the 21st of September. Brilliant. Be about a 12 to 15 mile ride.
0: Yeah. So not too far, folks. If you're listening, you want to raise some money to help this great charity. Finally, Russell, you've done some epic bike rides. Tell us about your trip to Spain. Yeah, that was that was a, the first
6: one I ever did was Lanzarote routes. That was uh, on my own with no support, and that was quite scary. I've never done a long bike ride before. But I loved it so much that I got the bug. Yeah. And within about six months, I then decided I would do the capital cities. So about a year later, I set off from London, circled to Cardiff and then over to, over to uh, Dublin and then Belfast and then Edinburgh and then back down to London. And then I wanted, wanted, some e- I wanted even more of a challenge. Uh, and I know the people at Kew Gardens very well. Uh, one of the guys that worked there was a guy called John Hamilton. And he'd gone off to Gibraltar to work at the Botanic Gardens there. So I thought, what a great idea to fly to Gibraltar and then cycle from Gibraltar all the way up through Madrid. Planted trees with blind children, which was absolutely fantastic. And then went up through France and then ended ended the trip in um, Kew Gardens. And all those three trips have been on my own with no support. Um, Quite scary at times, but it, it kind of focuses the mind, really. You know but what I would do I'd break it down so you do it like coffee break by coffee break day by yeah. day because you're doing 80, 80 to 100 miles a day so wow. to to do it. but it's a great way to see a country on the bike really. you
0: are a legend and I think you just came across kindness from local people didn't you helping did. you Yeah, exactly. absolutely, absolutely fantastic and yeah. um, so what have you taken from the conference so far I think it's great that
6: we're we're back socially Um, I mean, the, the CPD part of it is quite important, but for me, and I think for a lot of people here, the real value of it is actually the networking and the chatting and the exchange of information and ideas that happens before and after the sessions. So I think that's been really, really good. Um, but today, I mean, we had the, had the, the chat from Japan talking about doing the tree-climbing in disabled Oh And that was, that was, that was tear-jerkingly brilliant.
0: It, it was, was. I mean, good. actually, you know, I was crying, I know, yeah. and I think quite a few of us been inspired to yeah. try and do something like that yeah, here. Exactly. It's been amazing. Thank you so much for yeah. your time, Russell. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed the Abura Cultural Association Amenity Conference. There are many, many highlights. I'm sure you've got your own. If you're listening to this as a podcast, don't forget you can see it on our YouTube channel, SHA, Sharon Hosgood Associates.
1: two reminders from me before you go if you've enjoyed this episode it would be great if you could share it with your friends and family and consider subscribing to the show to make sure you don't miss any episodes you can find us on instagram at TreeLadyUK and on the website treeladytalks.co.uk and if you just want to get in touch send me an email to noel at treeladytalks.co.uk